And good morning. good morning. With each passing week, I feel between now and the end of week uh, lesson five, I feel like you girls are just so brave. This is hard. Has anyone noticed that this is hard? Well, that's okay because we're going to uncharted territory and God promises to meet us right where we're at. And our job is to hang in there, especially have just one more hard week. And then it's going to get, ah, I don't, it just will. You'll see. Okay, let's go before the Lord and uh, open with prayer and then we can talk about today. Father God, thank you so very much for the privilege of us all getting to come together and to learn these amazing, wild, new things about you and who you want to be in our lives. And so, Father God, enter in, we pray, in a most intimate and precious and personal way, I pray. In Jesus' most wonderful name, amen. Okay, girls, I trust that you all had, hopefully, a good week, by and large. I'm seeing smiles. Okay, good. <laughs> Great. Um, you know that my job is to review. And at this point, we're getting lots and lots and lots of stuff to review, more and more. And I thought I would start with one of the last things that we talked about last week, that I talked about with you, which was um, your husband's needs. Were any of you uh, surprised by that list of five needs that your husband has? Nobody's gonna talk to me this morning, I can see it. No, I was not surprised. You were not surprised? No? 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 Good, good. Not even by the first one, not second one not being the first one. <laughs> Respect. I'm going to just use the R word. Respect and affirmation <clears throat> is this absolute number one greatest need. Who remembers what the second one is? <laughs> Sex. Yes, it is. And if you're like most of us gals, <clears throat> we can't comprehend the insatiable need that men have for sex. <clears throat> By the way, a cute example of this, <clears throat> excuse me, was um, I guess seven or eight years ago, Stan had prostate cancer <clears throat> and he had to have a shot that cut off all of his hormones. And, and that shot <clears throat> gave him zero interest in sex whatsoever for four months. And so if we watched a movie together and there was a little bit more racy scene to it, he would say, oh, just keep going and get past that part. And he was like a best girlfriend. It was remarkable. And they said that uh, at the end of the four months, it could take up to six months before all the hormones were functioning properly again. Well, like the day after the fourth month, Stan was up and running again <laughs> and totally his old self. And so it is remarkable how much testosterone and the rest of the androgynous hormones that are a part of our men are significant. And 
God made them that way. And by the way, if they don't have all those important hormones, then they're not doing well physically because that means we're moving towards low T and low T means bad heart and bad brain health, let alone the sex part. And then they tend to be couch potatoes. They just want to lay on the couch and eat candy. And they have less and less interest in sex and they don't know how to even talk about it. So it's, it's something that's completely fixable today. And um, it's all about whether you give it attention. Oh, and by the way, nowadays, men are younger and younger because of environmental toxins. And they're more like in their early 30s when they start having these kind of problems. So don't be surprised. What was the third one? Attractive spouse. Attractive spouse. Did that bother any of you girls? What's that? I said, no, look at this group. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're all doing it. <laughs> and you know what it looks like if you just have let yourself go. Whew, we know what that is. Um, another, the next one? Domestic support. Ah. <clears throat> you know, there was, did I tell you the story? Tell me if I'm repeating myself. Of um, the, this guy that was doing landscaping for me. And he was such a can-do guy and did a wonderful job on the landscaping. And he, um, I was paying him a paycheck at the end of one evening, and he was all exasperated. And I said, what's the problem? And he said, well, here's the problem. I have a wife who will not do anything at home at all. She's a nurse, and she doesn't help out at the home. I come home, and I'm vacuuming, and I'm doing laundry, and I'm making dinner for the kids, and I am exhausted. And I thought, oh, this is what it looks like if we are not providing domestic support. Our guys are really not built for 100% both. They really need our domestic support, and it is a need. And then, what's the last one? Recreational. Right, recreational companion. And as soon as I say it, I think of floating down the Green River in honor of our fly fishing husband, which Tori's, uh, Tori's mom did with her husband. Bless her pea picking heart. Uh, did any of you feel that any of this challenged you? <laughs> okay, Could, would anyone want to say something about that? I just, I have a hard time with the concept of respect, like how that is practically applicable. Like oh. what does that look like in, in an everyday life situation? Well, it just so happens that you are going to have at the back end of your packet a sheet today that is going to tell you exactly what that looks like. So if you will hold on and look at the very last page in your packet, um, well, you don't even really have to look at it until we are ready to talk about it um, at the end of the day. But you're right, subtle disrespect today is considered good and normal in our media. You, you see it on TV and everywhere. It, it's not even subtle, it's pretty awful and brazen. And so we will be looking at a subtle disrespect list of 54 ways, and it is awful. It is so painful to look at that sheet. I'm going to warn you right up front. 
because I think there's going to be tons of things you're going to see and you're going to say, that is, uh-oh, uh-oh, I have a problem. So uh, just, you know, prepare yourself for the last page, which we'll talk about uh, at the end of our session today. Okay. Um, how about this very important concept of the engine and the caboose? Who could give us a description of what this is about, this whole concept of the engine and the caboose? Your mindset is what drives your emotions. Well, beautiful. Your mindset drives your emotions. Has anyone been noticing that? Absolutely. Isn't it amazing? And I didn't believe it. I didn't believe that at all. I was so convinced that, that um, I was a victim to my emotions. This was shocking to me. And it's absolutely true. As I dwelled, dwelt on my husband's good point list, and I was not allowing myself to think of the 26 things I hated about him, I fell madly in love with him. And it made it so easy for me to zero in on the new behaviors that God was calling me to be. What did it take on my part? What does it take on your part? First of all, it takes submission. Submission to what God has to say about our role as women and to our husbands. I found this extremely difficult for me when I find times I'm not feeling respect for my husband. And then there's times where he has his sexual needs and I'm the type of person that I cannot get intimate with someone I'm not feeling that way for. And I feel just weird just forcing myself to be in that intimate role. As a matter of fact, it was quite humorous. I had my husband, I said, you gotta do the five love languages test, and I gotta find my paper. I think it's by my Bible. He found my paper first, and he saw the notes on the five things. Number one, respect, number two, sex. He goes, really? Two sex? (laughs) 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 I just had to, at this point in my life, now I'm able to laugh at that. Right. About a month or so ago, I'd be like, Come on, what the heck is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, um, you're really talking about lesson 10 on sex. And I would love to address it right now, but I'm going to save it for lesson 10. <laughs> but, you, but you can bring it up in the small group. Okay. Why not? We can quick cover that then. Um, but you know, it really does make a difference what I choose to dwell on. And the thing that I bring to the table is my intentionality to make myself do that, to choose to dwell only on his good points. See what this is. This is me choosing. And you're going to find that this is extremely powerful. What I choose to dwell on, what I choose to intentionally keep reviewing. You know, I made a copy of my husband's good points list. And once again, I, re- I just love this sheet. And it took time to put it together. But 
all the things that if he were not these good points, ugh, what I would be facing. And then the things that I need to remember, his love languages. And then this list down here of the things over time that the Holy Spirit has led me to realize I need to be and they don't come naturally to me, so I have to pray for them every day, which I do. And then there's a few little extra notes here <laughs> that are in the same vein that help me every day to reflect. And if I don't stay focused on these things, then the Holy Spirit, it's not as easy for him to pull them to my attention and help me to be them. It's remarkable. Intentionality is everything on our side. And then God does the rest. It's amazing. We really are going to learn how to free fall in Christ. I'm going to leave the review of trusting God to Pam today because it's all included in her lesson. But there is this mantra that I absolutely love that, that uh, reflects all we need to really know about why we can trust God. And it's uh, I'll write it down and give it to you later. It goes like this. God is the blessed controller of absolutely everything, ultimately, and he allows absolutely everything in our lives for his glory and for our ultimate good. Once again, that means it's not going to feel good necessarily right now while I'm experiencing it, but it will be good. And my job is to believe God for that as I'm going through a, maybe a particularly difficult time with my husband. And he doesn't get it, these things that I'm catching on to yet. Most likely he will, but maybe not. And our job is to trust God no matter what. And he's going to guide us. He's going to guide our thinking. And eventually, he might just do something amazing with your husband. That is, perhaps, if there's some little area of immaturity that hasn't grown up yet in him, too. Since I don't know about you, but I find that my life has been one after another after another of exposés by the Holy Spirit of immaturity in me that needed to change and grow up. And so why shouldn't my husband have the same things that he has to go through? Because that's life. And you know, the scripture tells us that, that life is, is process. We are constantly, by the Holy Spirit's help, being grown up and matured over time. So that's going to take time. As a matter of fact, until we cross over into eternity, scripture tells us, he will still be building and growing me up. Okay, Lord, <clears throat> bring it on. And then we had our lesson last week on with the rocks and priorities. Was that surprising to anyone? Should have been. Yeah, yeah. yeah, come on, come on. It's not what the world is teaching us. And in God's economy, and we could say rocks here right now, but in his economy, he's saying that if you will prioritize me first, you will never be sorry. No matter how busy your day is, you put him first and spend time with him and he makes the rest of the day work out. Then, number two, 
is prioritizing your husband. Okay, Lord, what do you call me to be to him? That's what our, our class is on, right? And then three is the kids. And then four is your home. And five is the world. What's going on outside of your home? I just left my daughter-in-law's house and she does this in this order. But with COVID, it's been hard. And I'll bet you could all say that because you've had to limit your life in many different ways and it's been hard. And all I can tell you is the fruit of, why, of what she was doing was evident everywhere in her home. You could tell that God was leading and guiding her. The, the robustness of the family in general was a result of her keeping this squarely in place, even though it is very, very hard for her to have so little going on beyond here in her particular life. And would anyone else say they've had that problem here? Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing, yes, it has been. I don't know of anyone that hasn't been in some way impacted by the constrictions of COVID. And I said to her, I'm so glad that the kids have you to oversee their schoolwork and to be there for them now. And God is going to provide this peace for you. You pray and watch to see what he shows you you can do, but it's not forever. This is not forever missing out on the things that, that brighten and enrich your life. And it's true for all of us. How did your love languages go this week? Were you able to get your husband's love languages? Excellent, excellent, excellent. How many of you have at least one love language in common with your spouse? One, two, three, four, five, and me, six, have one, at least one in common with your spouse. Terrific. Now remember that the big deal about love languages is that that is the way that I hear love best. You hear love best through your love languages. Your spouse hears love best through his love languages. Unfortunately, this kind of exposes, once again, how selfish and self-centered we are because all we ever want to do is give to our spouse and our kids our love language because it comes naturally, it comes easily, because it's something we never really paid attention to. And in God's economy, he's saying, that's lovely, you have your love languages, it really doesn't matter all that much. I will take care of meeting you within your love languages. Your job is to study what your husband's love languages are. There's my list right there. And to pray and look for ways to meet and address your husband within his love languages. Because remember, everything about what we are learning is what, what in God's economy he calls agape love, which is selflessly looking out for the interest of the other, which is our husband. And that's the kind of love that God has for us, and we are so glad. And that's what he's calling us to. And he, by the way, reminds us that we're horrible at this. He knows that 
us humans are so doggone selfish and self-centered. And he's calling us out of that. Have you noticed this? He's calling us out of that to this wonderful, maybe it feels like a poorly fitting shoe at first, but he's calling us to this wonderful new place. And that's what he can bless. And that is when we start to feel really whole and really good. You know, we're always talking about hundreds of ways of how can I be happy? How can I have more fun in life and, and be fulfilled? And the reality is, as I am learning to be who God calls me to be, He fills me up remarkably. Fulfilling, He gives us purpose, two very important things. And that third piece is he, He's obviously giving us someone to love. And our job is to then practice that, practice that love thing, instead of just feeling it. The feelings come later, right? Remember that last page in Love Language uh, Test, the very last page where it tells you what happens when you don't love your spouse in his love language. Remember my example last week uh, my husband's quality time and he wanted me to go with him to pick up a part two hours away and I'm like, no, and I can't even imagine the damage I did with that. But he certainly didn't come away feeling loved and I didn't have a clue. So we can learn. I know better now. I know that stands as quality time, non-sexual physical touch. He has, uh, he has so many <laughs> words of affirmation and acts of service. And they are all lined up in the same strength. How about that? Now you could, you, uh, now don't say that. You're thinking he's high maintenance. No, I don't think he is. But, right? <laughs> I can't go wrong, right? <laughs> well, but remember, quality time doesn't come naturally to me, nor does non-sexual physical touch. So I have to work on those. And they're on my list to help me to remember. And then as I reflect on them in the morning before the Lord, then he helps me, because I'm asking every day, helps me to practice them throughout the day. And by the way, that helps to make it in many ways a free and easy day. Because I've committed it all to him in the morning, very specifically and I am waiting on him to give me eyes to see where I can apply it throughout the day. So this is not like um, trench warfare all day long. It is doing the hard work in the morning, reviewing, reflecting, and praying over, and then, and committing it all to the Lord. And then we go into today, and he gives us eyes to see, and we go there. Has anyone discovered that? because we have a couple gals who've been through the program before. Have you noticed that? So my number five is acts of service and Mike's number one is acts of service. So that's something I have to be really mindful and intentional about, whether it's like take the dogs out to the bathroom, you know, do something with Evie because he's busy, make a meal for him. Um, just anything, anything like that, I have to be really intentional about but I have definitely experienced asking for God to help me show me those opportunities where I can be aware of doing something. There it is. Like even, even last night, he's training for this 100 mile bike ride for this weekend. 
and he's like, I'm going to go train. And I was like, great, I'll have dinner ready for you when you come home. You know, and normally I'd be like, okay, you're on your own. <laughs> Well, like, that's well, that's the natural reaction. me, right? Yeah, that's my normal reaction. But like God and the Holy Spirit just helping me to be like, how can I love him? How can I serve him? How can I help him get ready for this bike ride? Feed the poor man. <laughs> After he's burnt like 2,000 calories on the Right, bike. feed him a lot. Yes. <laughs> now, you know what's interesting about what you're saying is that you're one of our gals that both you and Mike work. And so there's a lot of give and take there. But even when you are married to a man and you're both working, God's calling us. How can I live out my husband's love languages so that he feels most loved? Mm -hmm. it's, it's really a beautiful thing. And then let God take care of yours. Mm -hmm. But what will most likely happen is that he will start to work don't have an expectation on this, but he will start to work in your husband's heart and mind mm -hmm. to want to be there for you in special ways too, over time. And I know you've experienced that too, haven't you? Even just yesterday, like I was getting the house cleaned up ready for today and um, I was like, okay, I still need to mop, I need to do the bathrooms. And I was down working while he was hanging out with Evelyn, our daughter, our two-year-old. And I get this text like as I'm wrapping up work, Floors are mopped, bathrooms are clean. I'm just like, oh, he's amazing. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. He's just so great. And that's what Stan did for me yesterday. I'm flying in and uh, my sheets aren't washed. I'm asking him to throw them into the washer, that's all. Well, I come home, beds made. <laughs> and you know what's especially cute about that? One of my great dislikes is sheets and bed making. See, like, sweet yeah. and since my love language is acts of service really spoke to me okay i'm going to make myself stop right now so that we have time for pain